We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... And welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC and Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's star soprano from Opera Australia, Stacey Alum. One of the great voices, you'll hear it. And our panel, Anthony Aykroyd, Rebecca De Unamuno and Tommy Dean. And our audience this week drawn from Bato Bay, Lower Borough, Camden, Singapore, Canberra and Newport. <laughs> but first, before all that, the news from nowhere. A, a while back, those, uh, I don't like them, but those people from the Australian Vaccination Network were forced to change their name. A court said the name had to better reflect their anti-vaccination stance in order to stop fooling people they were unbiased. Now, fair enough. I'm all for truth in labelling. But once the principle is established, where does it stop? The Liberal Party, for instance, has never been very liberal. The Labor Party, according to the voters, doesn't work. The National Party is anything but national, representing, as it does, the sectional interests of country people. So all three have to go. The Greens are green, it's true, but also a little red. And if you mix green and red together, you get the browns. Something which would at least fit their previous choice of leader. (laughs) And one nation is a nation of one whose name is Pauline, so that doesn't pass muster either. It's not only names. If the anti-vaccination people are required to tell the truth, what about the rest of us? Most of what we say bears only passing connection with the truth. People ask, how are you, when they really don't want to know? And we answer, I'm fine even when we're in the grip of existential dread. We say catch you later to people we never want to see again and declare great to see you to someone at the shops who looks familiar but could be the vet, an old school friend or Lady Gaga. We also say, oh, that's brilliant about things that are borderline bad because who wants to be the first person who says, Craig, uh, Chris Lilly is a bit racist or Jonathan Franzen is overrated or Orange is the New Black is like a Canadian children's TV show about drugs and lady prisoners. So, if the Australian Vaccination Network is forced to tell the truth, why not the rest of us? No longer, at the end of a romantic date, would one be allowed to suggest coming back to my place for coffee? Instead, perhaps you'd be interested in attempting sexual congress in my pigsty of a bedroom. (laughs) She could then answer, well, I'm in two minds. On the one hand, I don't find you very attractive and the way you guffawed during the movie was (laughs) repulsive. On the other hand, I really am quite desperate. (laughs) Should things go well, later in the night, you might quiz each other about the experience with only honest answers permitted. Not, wow, that was amazing. Rather... My previous boyfriend, Brian, was considerably more skilled. And what's with the strange whistling sound you make when you breathe through your nose? In in rare cases, the relationship might survive all this honesty and produce children with whom you could converse with similar honesty. Not, you scored a goal! Well done! What brilliance! Rather, you'd have to be honest. Next time, 
try to kick it into the opponent's goal <laughs> rather than your own. <laughs> you'll find it's more difficult to achieve. Uh, of course, in the end, there will be a messy divorce after she asks the inevitable question, does my bum look big in this? And he's giving, given a searchingly frank reply. In return, she might point out that the hilarious anecdote told at the party earlier in the week had been heard 17 times before and besides was stolen from one of the other people in attendance. At least the divorce lawyer will also be forced to be honest. I'm going to do very little for you but charge you an unfeasibly large amount of money, <laughs> leading to a life in which you will both be broke and alone and miserable. After demanding such honesty of ourselves, we could then move on to the world's major brand names. Nescafe makes coffee for home consumption rather than cafes, so really it should be called Not Cafe. <laughs> Don't you agree? Uh, Twitter is for twats, so it should be Twatter, surely. <laughs> So let's have honesty in all things, in the names of political parties, in the names of companies and in our own personal dealings. And that way we can all vaccinate ourselves from the truth. And that's the news from nowhere. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Anthony's here. Beck. Tommy, welcome. Thank, Thank you for coming. Well, I have to say, Tommy. Uh, I uh, each and every week admire the work that you put in Thank to the you. news from nowhere. Thank but you. I would have to say that was one of the weaker efforts. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what, why, why so? Oh, because you're being honest. Huh? Hey. <laughs> you seem to be making a call for it, yeah. and I wanted to jump right in there and say, you are making a difference, sir. Yeah. You are making a difference. I see the peril of my position now. <laughs> Can we go back to lying? It was so funny. Thank that you. was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. That was good. Uh, let's check you morons who usually know nothing about the news. <laughs> By the way, I'm currently running for sexual congress. Are you? Yeah. Many mm -hmm. votes? <laughs> Stand just trying, just trying to get on the ticket. What's your position? Se sexual, congress, sexual Congress is the only party where 19 votes, the number that Fraser Anning got, is actually quite a lot. Oh, right. <laughs> At least you can stand your member, which is yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. Uh, don't turn on me. Some people After are. that. <laughs> now, talking about such matters... Who, taking this honesty thing too far. <laughs> who proved white on when it came to uniting all sides of the Australian Parliament? Who proved to be oh, well, white surely on? Surely you've just mentioned him. Yes. Uh, the white Australia king. I'm not sure. Do, do people understand how the Senate works? No. Because if someone leaves, then it seems you have to find someone even stupider <laughs> than the person who left. Because um, we had Malcolm Roberts, who's a climate change denying fruitcake, who actually... Um, he speaks a, very well of you. <laughs> ...actually built a small coal mine in his backyard when he was a child. So you think you're not going to top that. And then we have... Uh, what's his name? Fraser Anus? <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, Fraser Anning. Um, Anning Terribilis. <laughs> yes, the leader of the Third Reich Redux. <laughs> Who gives, did you hear the talk? Yeah. He gave the speech about white Australia and the final solution. Terrible. I mean, and then he, then he left after making that big uh, speech and he said, listen, if you talk to uh, people in pubs and clubs as I do, you'll find they agree with me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, which pubs and clubs? Is this the Heinrich Himmler Hotel? <laughs> the Aryan Airbnb? The Schwastika Saloon? The Deutschland Diner? Now, look, folks, don't you think when Pauline Hansen calls you a racist, you have set a new benchmark? <laughs> she said she compared him to Goebbels. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, pick your Nazi. <laughs> oh, and then Bob Catter. Is he insane? He is completely... He said, oh, he built an aeroplane, so he can't be stupid. 
That's a pretty stupid thing to do, actually. Uh, and I think it was in the Luftwaffe. But as you, uh, if you want attention, and, and Bob Catter said you want attention, just run down the street with no pants on. And it works for me. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's my advice to Fraser Annis. Yeah, running out down barrel streets with no pants on is quite difficult at this time. Yeah, there yeah. is shrinkage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what do you mean? I mean, Tommy, it was terrible, the speech, but then again it led to these beautiful scenes in Parliament the next day. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I, th- I think they're onto something. I think this is exactly what we need, is more stupid hate. <laughs> That's where I think because it leads to love. It leads to love, leading to community love. We just, we just. I think you do. I think you actually. You need uh, McDonald's to remind you that your local hamburger shop knows how to make a hamburger a proper way. Oh you know? yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need KFC to remind you that when you eat proper chicken, it doesn't stick to you for days. Mm. You know? So there is no good without bad. That's right. You know, you need. You need. Can't think of a car. I hate all cars. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a car that's really terrible. They're all the terrible. P76. The yep. P76. You need the P76 to make the, the Holden flash forward work for you. I don't want to get on the wrong side of the debate. <laughs> <laughs> Take these things so That's right. Yeah. The choice between left wing yeah. and fascism is one argument in Australian <laughs> politics, but Ford v. Holden! But my favorite. Like my favorite one, I was, with, I was with in a small town on a comedy festival tour and uh, the little newspaper had noted that on the next weekend the town was going to vote on whether uh, they as a, a town would always park nose in to the curb or tail into the curb. And um, I made a little joke at the comedy show uh, saying that, you know, what a delightful community is, that this is the only thing that you have to get together to vote for. <laughs> I almost got killed from both sides. <laughs> it was the most divisive issue that had ever been risen in the town because half, literally half, were nose in and half, half were reverse parkers. Uh, my, point is, my point is, this is quite complicated, race relations, compared to how to park That's right. your P-76. Um, imagine the scene in Parliament when Ed Husek embraces Josh Frydenberg and one's from Sydney, one's from Melbourne, one's from Liberal, one's from Labour, one, uh, uh, one, one is Muslim, one is Jew... But one is a front inner and the other is a rear inner. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, that the argument's <laughs> But I think as long as we continue to bark up, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely terrible that a person is, uh, is even of this mind. Uh, but to have that person of a mind in an official elected position uh, is deeply disappointing. Uh, but then... But by chance. By, by chance, sure enough. But regardless, when he speaks, the very fact that the country reacted the way it did at least gives you hope. Whereas if everyone would have been, oh, that's very good. I think he's got a point. <laughs> I think that's when you start getting it's, it's really interesting. nervous. Like, and you were mentioning like with the crowd at a gig, you know, when they, when they turn, you know, because it was a divisive issue about the parking. It's a similar thing. I feel like Australian politics is sort of starting to do that. It's kind of like people are going to throw statements out there and it's just like, I'm just testing the water, just testing the water. Oh, not even a ripple. Okay. No, they like that one. Good. We're just going to say something slightly more controversial now. Oh, hello. Two people got up. Okay. And it's like they're testing us as a people to see what our threshold is for tolerance mm. and, 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 a, and a hatred of, of bigotry. Yeah. But at it's, least we found it. But we fa- well, we found it, but we're Pauline Hanson's the one holding the tape. She's going to keep <laughs> moving it back, forward, left, right. I don't trust the line. I don't trust the line. We found the line and it's Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> we're put over it. But, yeah, it's really interesting. Anthony Aykroyd, Rebecca Unamuno and Tommy Dina here. Which city is where 
black this week, even more than usual. Oh, Melbourne. Mm. Poor, Poor Melbourne. Melbourne. Oh. I do love I lived in Melbourne briefly. Briefly. You've still got now the I've top. Still, I've still got the top. I've still got all the clothes. Everyone says, oh, you look so <laughs> Melbourne. I go, yes, I can get from A to B. Um, uh, but, yes, Melbourne's now no longer uh, the most livable city in the world. Oh. It's, it's dropped. It's, it's held that position, according to The Economist magazine, for, I think, seven years, but finally it's dropped into second place... After Vienna. After Vienna, which, to be beaten by dessert, that's really weird, don't you reckon? <laughs> oh, Vienna. No, sorry, my mistake. Uh, but um, Sydney, apparently, Sydney's gone up a bit mm. in, the, in the ratings. I don't know who voted for this. It was clearly someone in bed by 7pm who didn't want to drink after 10pm <laughs> on any night of the week. Yeah, clearly not somebody working hospitality who has nowhere to go when they finish their work. We, know, we so. have gone from the 11th to 5th. Which proves that The Economist doesn't drive on the M5. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Or doesn't live near West Connects tunnelling. You know, I'm just saying. So we're after... We're, what's the list now? The list goes, mm-hmm. the best cities in the world to live. Vienna, one. Melbourne, two. Osaka, Calgary, Sydney. Mm. I think it's okay. because Vienna had that song about it by Ultravox. That oh, that was on the top of the countdown charts for two years. <laughs> Does anyone remember that? Yes. <laughs> Walk through the cold life. Oh, Vienna. That you can't say. Oh, Melbourne. Doesn't really doesn't work. So, but it's always left out. And you've mentioned it already, Richard. And I want to fly the flag here for maybe naming Barrel um, the most livable city in the world. And uh, here's my case. We have a tulip festival. That's nice. Okay. Uh, no, oh, you want more? Okay. No, no, the tulip festival's nice. There is a, a rumour that people are running down the streets naked <laughs> to get attention. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to see anything. Uh, um, but That's just because we... he's so fleet-footed. <laughs> right. My point is, if the town quits judging, then it becomes the most livable city I've heard of. Yeah, and, and my point is, you can't really see my point. But anyway, <laughs> but... Okay. What about this? We had, we had the world's largest pie festival oh. last month. You could ha- you go to a dinner, you could have nine courses, a different pie for each course. How about that? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a, I thought it was oh, a festival wa- for the world's largest pie, but it's not. No, it's the <laughs> that, world's that largest great idea, pie also. festival. And also, people say barrel is slow moving, but I found it speeded up my life. It really has, because I got a call the other day from a gentleman who said, we're running a fundraiser for Dementia Australia... And it's called the Golden Oldies. And we're looking for celebrities like you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hurty, hurty. (laughs) Here here are the other guests. We have uh, Bob Dwyer, the rugby coach. He's 78. Uh, Reg Livermore, Australian theatre legend, 79. John Olsen, legendary painter, 90. So I'd like to be a silver oldie, <laughs> maybe bronze. But you know, your you, you life is fast tracked. Just give me the last rites at the huh? at the at the lunch. I mean, Troy, you've about. you've moved here from elsewhere. Do you really think that Sydney is fifth and Melbourne is second, and and Calgary is fourth? Look, I've been to every one of these cities, and I agree with this list as if it, I wrote it myself. Uh, I had some of the greatest times I've ever had in Vienna. Um, I don't know if you know, I spent a lot of time in a boys' choir. <laughs> I used to be an alto soprano, and then um, wow, and then my voice shattered <laughs> into this baritone slash bass, and yeah. I, they ran me out of town. <laughs> did did it happen overnight, Tommy? 
No, no, it was uh, two nights. Or was it like an? <laughs> it was like that episode of um, the Brady Bunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it's time to change. I'm going to go to Melbourne. Uh, and I enjoyed Melbourne for a while, but then I took the wrong tram and ended up in Sydney. Uh, Sydney's quite nice. Calgary is fantastic. Calgary is nice. Uh, if you're in Canada, I recommend Calgary uh, highly. Uh, it's, it's, a bit, where, it's a bit cold, isn't it? Well, uh, most of the days, but I think this. I think they specifically pick. It's they don't like you know the most livable city for an entire year. So, like, I would suggest that on September fifth, <laughs> that is a great day to be in Calgary. <laughs> and then by September twelfth, you really should get south because it's so cold. The so Melbourne Melbourne Cup Day. Melbourne Melbourne Cup Day. That's a great day. Uh, Sydney. I would suggest that Sydney. Uh, today was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> you know, right in the middle of it. Uh, I argue that Sydney right now is probably the best place to be uh, for climate change deniers um, <laughs> because these, these are like the golden ways that climate change are. This is glorious. Yeah. I'm hoping that when we are all treading water trying to stay alive, <laughs> we will remember these days <laughs> of, in of the middle warm, of Sydney winter that summer. were so <laughs> glorious. And then luckily, like just before you drown, a bunch of Coles plastic bags will come under... <laughs> <laughs> That's where they That's all went. Keep me just, for a few more weeks. And a mini collectible life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> see? Do you see how livable this is? So livable. <laughs> uh, what an optimistic view of the future. Uh, final question from this week's news. Who is banking on handing out money to the other side? The other side. Oh, this is incredible. This has got to be the Banking Royal Commission. And uh, the Commonwealth Bank, they're not looking that good. Uh, and they have now said, yes, we... Um, they're actually... Some of the execs are starring in a remake of The Sixth Sense um, with the catch line, we charge dead people. <laughs> but um, they are now paying compensation to the dead. Now, how do they get that across the river sticks? I'd, I'd love to see a, a tribe of pissed-off zombies at their door. <laughs> Where's my money? Turns out you can take it with you. You know when they put a penny on your eye when mm. you die? Is that just the Commonwealth Bank paying compo? <laughs> <laughs> a whole penny. <laughs> Are you enjoying the Royal Commission? Isn't it great? Oh, I love that young prosecutor. What's his name? Michael someone. Uh, Borsky, that's right. And he's, he's, his voice is actually getting tired from needling them. <laughs> but occasionally he'll just be asking questions, then he'll slip something in like... Is it true to say that you're a despicable, money-grubbing turd who deserves to rot in hell in a fiery pool of your own faeces? Yep. <laughs> the judge, I don't know the judge, he's seen it all. He's like, oh, OK. Commissioner Hayne. <laughs> Commissioner Kenneth Hayne. Yeah, I've got to He's great. I, I, I've got a post of him in my bedroom now. He's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Gimlet-eyed, harsh. Stern. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Oh, nice. That's what you like. Good, I, Richard. Good. Here, this is a curious... To each his own, Richard. Uh... I'm not judging. It is, it is clearly uh, a culture of uh, greed and corruption that is completely despicable, uh, but never before in the history of my life did I think that I would get to this point at 50 where I thought to myself, thank God I have no superannuation. <laughs> it's worked out really well for me. <laughs> I've got nothing for them to steal. But that means that you've got your, uh, people have been paying into all these things for years. They're going to get this great compensation check. It's going to be amazing. Really? It's going to be, oh, yeah. It's going to be, mm. They could pay as much as 10 or $20. Man, I, yeah. I had my dealings with the, with the Commonwealth Bank and I had enough trouble with them when I was living. 
And, uh, and after dealing with them, I wanted to be dead. So it's kind of, they got you over a barrel. <laughs> you kind of, I thought they were all cute. Oh, and then, isn't, there, isn't there the Dolomites theirs? Oh, yeah, cute. yeah, Dolomites. Dolomite. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. Might. Might. We have Anthony Aykroyd, Rebecca De Unamuno, Tommy Dean, and ladies and gentlemen from Opera Australia, Stacey Alum. She's here with pianist Tom Johnson on the lovely ABC Grand Piano. Stacey at the moment is starring in The Turk in Italy by Rossini. It's on at the Opera House until September 1. Stacey, uh, I'm going to make you blush now. There was an absolute five-star review in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday. It says, Stacey Loom triumphs in the role of Fiorilla with a tone of clarity, purity and warmth, navigating virtuosic coloritaro passages with lively agility and taking high notes with piercing fearlessness. Now that's a review! (laughs) Talk to me about fearlessness when you're singing. Is that how it feels when you're singing? Well, Fiorilla is a complete minx, so I don't think she can have any fear at all. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to be quite uh, invincible up there. Okay, but they're talking about when you're hitting these high notes. Is there a sense where you, uh, the fear is that you might not get there? Oh, well, you can't have that, though. <laughs> the minute you have it, oh, it... it you could be in trouble. Uh-huh. So how do you get those notes? How do you do it? With a lot of effort. <laughs> it's very athletic, isn't it? It is, yeah. There's a lot of training involved and um, a lot of practice that goes, invo- that mm-hmm. goes into mm-hmm. learning a role and preparing it. So. And, and do you, how do you, do you sort of mentally picture the note hitting upwards, hitting the back, you know, the back wall of the theatre? How do you... I don't even know how to describe how you can sing up that high. I think I had to learn how to do it in the last eight months, actually. Yeah? Um, so it's been quite so, a journey so you, you for me. you used to sing like Tommy, did you? Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so tell me about the training. So eight months of training to get, what, from a perfect soprano into this. Is, is it coloratura? Is that how you say it? Coloratura, yes. Now, what's that? What is it? It's um, an agile a voice that has a lot of ornamentation and decoration in the... Um, in the melody lines. Mm-hmm. And is that what you've been focusing on in the last eight months? Yes, uh-huh. very so, much so. So how do you do it? Describe a you know, half hour of the practice session. Lots of scales. So does everyone know what a scale is? Yeah, so a lot of that. Um, a lot of motives where you're doing a lot of jumping around in the, in the, in the exercises that we do as well. And just, um, I don't know, do I give an example yeah, yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so like... Uh, just like a E, maybe. And keep going higher and higher and higher and just making sure that the voice is actually agile. Yeah, you see Tommy now weeping because he's remembering his days with Vienna. <laughs> well, you're already stealing my reviews. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> And, of course, you're bringing all this to bear on Rossini, who is the most sort of gloriously ridiculous and, and, and frothy and gorgeous plots, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, this is the first time I've actually done a comedy, um, especially a farce. So this has been so challenging but so much fun. The production's really bright and colourful and, um, yeah, it's so physical as well. I haven't had to do something where I've had to do 
a role that is so vocally demanding and actually running at the same time and having a punch fight in the middle of it. So. <laughs> the, the, the character, it, it's a sort of, well, it looks like a, a lovely sort of beach resort. All the costumes and the sets are all as if it's from an ice cream shop, something like that. Simon Phillips is the director. She's this audacious character, but very bored at the beginning, bored with life. She's bored with her husband, really. <laughs> She gets everything she wants, you know, all the all the shopping and all that kind of thing, but uh, she just wants to flirt with every boy in town. Um, and she has a reputation, even the gypsies that are not from the town know of her reputation too, so that's saying a lot. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Now, you're going <laughs> to sing the first aria. Uh, what, what's happening here? What's it about? Basically, she's saying she's going she's gonna to go on a flirt fest and she just <laughs> wants to enjoy life and go shopping and, um, and enjoy having money and... Who's the, ne- who's the next target? Yeah, flirt fest. That's the translation from the original, <laughs> it, it, it is, from the original uh, Italian. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey Alloon uh, in the studio on Thank God It's Friday with Tom Johnson on the piano.
Kelly. Rossini. I, I, am so, I am so lost for words to describe that. Although I did think she sang with a tone of clarity, purity and warmth, navigating virtuosic coloratato passages with lively agility and taking high notes with piercing fin! Fearlessness! Oh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, what a treat. You should have seen... I, I, I love being here in the room. I, I'm, I hope everyone enjoyed that on the radio too. But in this room, the 60 people who are here were looking at you with just the most lively, lovely intent. They just loved that, didn't we? We oh, loved yeah. that. We loved it. It was incredible being in the room with someone doing all of that. The Turk in Italy by Rossini is at the Sydney Opera House until September 1, as presented with uh, by Australia Opera. Please thank Stacey Loom and Tom Johnson. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Unamuno is here, so is Anthony Ackroyd and Tommy Dean on Thank God It's Friday. Now, many Australians are putting off visiting the doctor, according to a study this week, partly due to expense. What are the things you like and hate about a visit to the doctor? And did you always hate it as a child? And what would make you willing to go more often? Rebecca. Uh, I, I never had a drama with going to the doctor when I was a kid. I, I think I just liked any form of attention. So going, <laughs> going to the doctor meant they were focusing on me because it's all about me. I quite liked that. Um, uh, and then uh, I guess there was one major concern that I had. It was when I discovered that I'm allergic to iodine. And the way I discovered that was by using a betadine throat spray, having an allergic reaction and my throat closing over and me not breathing. That was a bit fun. Uh, that was a bit, but that's the only major thing that I've, I've had happen. But um, I think a lot of people in this audience will agree with me that there is a very exciting time of year, ladies, when you get to go to the doctor. What a thrill. What a thrill. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you can see already so many legs have crossed. It's extraordinary. <laughs> That's right, ladies. It's the dreaded pap test. Or they've tried to liven it up for before because before it was a pap smear, which sounds nasty. A test means you can maybe study and pass, doesn't it? <laughs> but there's no cramming before that exam, just to let you know, ladies. There's no cramming. Uh, and they make it so much fun, don't they? They say, right, if you could just put your feet into the stirrups and you think, oh, we're off for a ride. <laughs> no, it's not a ride. Uh, they say, OK, just keep breathing. You think, oh, nice, I can get to relax a little bit whilst this is going on. And then you hear things like, um, oh, I just need to get a larger speculum. And you go, oh, hooray, upsizing, you know. It's all so thrilling. And then all of this is being done whilst being forced to make awkward conversation with your feet in the stirrups, a speculum having a go. And uh, the doctor asking, are you uh, going away? Is Easter? <laughs> Gee, there's nothing better than that, is there, ladies? What a thrill that is, the annual awkward first date. It's just a, it's just a joy. I love It'd be it. Worse if they, it would be worse if they said, oh, Rebecca, I saw your last show on at the factory. <laughs> Trust me, it's happened before. <laughs> I saw it. And I said, I hope what you're seeing now gets a good review. <laughs> Tommy, have you been to the doctor? Um, do you, a million Australians apparently don't go because they... You know, it's mostly expense. They don't want to go. Well, Wait, do you, have you got a problem going? I'm not a problem. I'm confused, but I thought that was the whole glory of Buck Billing was to go to the doctor. There's the odd, well, as in with Rebecca's story, there's the odd gap. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty subjective. <laughs> no, but it doesn't, it's not like, like I, we, I remember specifically not going in the States because the expense was, was, in, was mm. notable. Uh, well, people bankrupt themselves, don't they? Yes, yeah, terrible. Yeah. 
Uh, so to just get checkups, like, you know, we, I, I think it made a lot of sense. Um, probably my mistake was I did not apply the same uh, sort of go get this to to dental uh, health. That's, and I know why. I know why. Because my very first trip to a dentist uh, was, an, was near an Army base, and my first dentist was an Army dentist in the like, you know, early 70s. This is in America? In America. Yeah. And he did not believe that children should use Novocaine. Uh, when they had fillings done. So he was drilling my teeth, uh, and the Novocaine that they used was uh, an assistant who strapped you into the chair. And then it was like like the electric chair. They had all the straps down. They strapped your head down to say you couldn't jerk around. All you could do was throatily scream (laughs) while they drilled. And that just, I've never left my... my... Australian dentists are better than that. Yeah, this was terrible. (laughs) And I've had better dentists since. Um, In fact, recently, though, due to my lack of going in, I had to have a tooth extracted... Uh, just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never get over the fact that for all the technology that the world has, to get a tooth out of your face, they still have to sit on your chest with a pair yeah, of pliers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and jerk and jerk and yeah, jerk and so jerk. We can put a man on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> it's so terrible. Um, but I thought it was fun that she gave me a lollipop afterwards. Cause... Actually, I... That's so you can wreck another tooth and (laughs) build up work for (laughs) next time. It's a business model. But I had the same experience in Tasmania. The first filling I had was there was no Novocaine. No Novocaine. Yeah. And I thought that really hurts. Yeah, just screaming. Please stop doing that. Silver amount. <laughs> but generally, I like the doctors. You know, I, I think that I think that they make it better. It's like lanes at the supermarket. They just every doctor's office seems to need just one more doctor open. You know, there's too much waiting. Uh, and I think what makes they it should have six complaints or less. It feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem too also is better magazine subscriptions would help. Because even though sometimes you're waiting, it feels like you've waited longer because you've been reading the news from 1989. <laughs> and then when they finally call your name, you're like, oh, my God, it's 2018. Because you know that marriage between uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles, it's not going well. <laughs> it was, but it looks so fabulous in the pictures. Julia Gillard is a new prime minister. <laughs> Listen, I, I avoid doctors. Uh, not so much for the financial, but because they might discover something wrong with me, uh, which I don't want that to happen. Well, especially now you're in the golden age. <laughs> yeah. I'm a golden oldie. <laughs> but eventually I had to go uh, last summer, true story, because I thought for three years I've thought I'm losing my hearing. You know, I used to be in a rock band, I've been a comic for years, I've been yelling into microphones, and it's just reduced. I'm thinking I'm, I'm seeing the true golden oldie scenario of the, you know, the, 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 the ear amplifiers. And, um, well, the big horn. That, you the know. big horn, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, running down barrel. Uh, no, no, okay. <laughs> We're back to summer. A man can dream, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I couldn't resist that one. A lot of ladies can. But anyway... Um, <laughs> What's I talking about? That's right. I'm a golden oldie. Um, so I, and then I went uh, on, on a summer vacation. I lost all the hearing in my right ear and most of it in my left ear, so I've got to go to the doctor. And he looked in my ears and said, you have impacted wax. Well, I thought he said that. <laughs> <laughs> His lips were moving. I, I think he said, would you like me to remove it? And I said, yes. 
Uh, he actually said this could puncture your eardrum, uh, which apparently can happen. But if he had this, anyone had their ears waxed? Yeah. It's fantastic, isn't it? This warm liquid goes in. He showed me the wax that came out. I could build a few candles out of this. <laughs> and I walked to the receptionist who was like, Yes, Mr. Ackroyd, what do you Keep yeah. it down, please. It was like everything became a symphony. I could hear you know, the legs of little feet of caterpillars on leaves. <laughs> and it's like a Disney film. Um, but I think I'd go to the doctor more often if it was more fun, wouldn't you guys? What about a bit of humour? You know, a bit of few, few gags. I mean, imagine, let's take Richard. Richard, I you were talking about once a year, special moment. I'm sure all of us have that, gentlemen. Uh, when you're lying there prone, naked, and you hear the snap of the rubber glove, and you think, what, no flowers? And uh, <laughs> inject a bit of humour into the situation. You know, the doctor says, oh, Anthony, I have to tell you that there's a piece of lettuce growing out of your bottom. Really, Doctor? Is it serious? Yes, it's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, God. Come on! <laughs> the people love it! The people love it! To be fair, to be fair, the reason he knows that joke is he was reading a magazine before he went in. <laughs> From 1982. Yeah. It's about salad preparation. Yeah. <laughs> well, after, the, after the uh, ear story, I'm, I'm starting to see the high street of barrel in a new light, all those gift shoppies with their candles. <laughs> Where are they getting the wax? Yeah. It works. Huh? They burn beautifully. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, are we ready for the Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen? This lovely audience, when they came in today, you can join the TGIF audience, of course, just by Googling TGIF ABC and you'll find out who's coming up in coming weeks and you can grab your free tickets to come along and join this audience. And once you do, you'll be able to throw these random topics onto our chocolate wheel today's topics for Rebecca to take on. Uh, bras, lagoon, bliss, trumpet, worms, baboon... Twitches, dates, camping, whale watching, turtles, Friday, men and bottom. Mm. Mm. Which ones fill you full of fear? Well, baboon and bottom because they are closely associated <laughs> <laughs> and they both start with B. Yeah, you could just do both of them. Here we go, round and round and round it goes where it stops. No one knows. Today's topic on the Wheel of Death. Someone put WD-40 yeah. in this. I keep yeah, we should do it. Yeah. We should bring it's... some doctors in here and just have them do checkups after the show. We'd have to give all the fun. <laughs> Today's topic do some is. Diagnostics. Bliss. Bliss. Yeah. That's nice. Bliss. Suggested by the Central Coast crew who live in bliss every day. It was thematic, though, that it took so long. I know. To achieve. To Just achieve bliss. bliss. It does. It's it for some people, it does. D, though, it does. Oh, my goodness. Bliss. All the topic right. of bliss for Rebecca. Mm. Bliss. 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 Make it to the toilet and sit down. Oh, that's your version of bliss. Good, I. Bliss this this wheel of death could be easy. We'll just get you to answer yeah, it all. Let's throw, uh, throw this over to the audience. definition of bliss. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you could listen to this, I'm here to present a seminar on the emotion called bliss. Now, some of you would look at me and look at the look upon my face and think, bliss, not in her, can't see a damn trace. <laughs> and you'd be right, for I'm bitter, I'm old, and I smell. <laughs> I'm not sure if you got a waft, <laughs> and you could soon tell. 
But I discovered my bliss one fine, sunny day. I was walking in Bowral <laughs> as the trees would gently sway. It was approaching winter. And what did it bring? Anthony Aykroyd <laughs> running down the street with his tiny little thing. <laughs> <laughs> It was, a, it, was a, it was a ball of wax <laughs> had been removed from his ear. I'm sorry I shouldn't have paused then. I meant to make it clear. <laughs> and I walked into a coffee house. You know, the kind. The one where you sit and wait to order thinking you have to use your mind. Where people are so relaxed. They seem to walk around in a state where nothing needs to hurry and everyone can wait. You know that feeling of bliss when you're content to the point that you sit there and you no longer have to anoint someone to go and do a task, to do the shopping, fix the car. You can sit and just be. Let your mind wander far. It was in that coffee shop I found my bliss. Got another little bit to go, sorry. Listen to this. <laughs> And I looked up from the book I was reading on the table. It was a book written in 1982 by a woman called Mabel. <laughs> and seeing as this was 2018, I thought it's just like the doctor's waiting room. <laughs> and then I looked up and my heart skipped a boom. For there at the other side of the coffee house waiting was a man poised with a cup anticipating. As I raised my cup, a slight nod we did make. And then both of us simultaneously, a sip we did take. I placed my cup down, a little clank could be heard. He placed his cup down, it was like a thundering herd. <laughs> and I thought, that's the kind of man I need to be with now. One who reminds me of a trampling cow. <laughs> <laughs> So it is very simple. <laughs> it was sealed with a kiss. We do that every night. It's my nightly moment of bliss. <laughs> Rebecca to you, Muno. How love is found in the streets of Barrel. Love in the most unexpected of places. The most unexpected. That author, Mabel, if you haven't read her work, you should get onto it. She's but amazing. isn't it amazing? I, I think romance is so amazing. Because as soon as you've turned into a love story, we all moved forward in our chair. We loved it. We wanted you to be together, even though he clanks his teacup like a cow. I know, a trampling cow. I want to meet him. <laughs> I just created him. I have a crush on him. It's all right. Anthony will fix you up. <laughs> she knows him. I love the way Rebecca hit the high notes and the coloratura during that. Was just, uh... yeah. Does she die, ladies and gentlemen? Does no, she die? No. no. She lives. Yeah. Yes. Um, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Yeah, that's the Ackroyd. Rebecca de Muno, Tommy Dean, and our wonderful audience. Thank you for coming. <laughs> now, the CSIRO announced this week that it was trying to genetically engineer cotton that doesn't need to be ironed. What other genetic breakthroughs should Syro be working on now to make our day-to-day -day lives So can you easier? say it again? How do you pronounce... Well, you can either do a C-S-I-R-O, or you can... Some people say Syro. Yeah. Mm. OK, let's do yeah. that. Yeah. OK, Syro. Syro. Yeah, you can say Syro. Syro says... Syro says... Now, I would just like to go on the record... Yes. ..and say that there is no fabric that needs ironing. 
It's a want. You want it that way. But I am living proof that nothing need be ironed ever at any time. I don't even have an iron. If occasionally I need to take a little bit of a wrinkle out, I find between the mattresses... What, what about the what about the business so the business shirt that needs ironing? Who owns them? <laughs> <laughs> what do you Actually, speak of? <laughs> I, have, I literally have two shirts that have buttons. Uh, one is a flannel, uh, which I've never buttoned because you just tie it around your waist and toss it on like a light jacket. Uh, and the other one is a black shirt for corporate functions. Uh, that doesn't, uh, it's actually missing two buttons at the bottom, but the jacket covers it just nicely. <laughs> Are you one of those guys, if, you, if you're wearing a jacket and a shirt, you only iron the little bits that stick out? You know, I think little... I made it clear. Yeah. I don't iron. <laughs> <laughs> just, I hang, you know, if you hang it right, after you've washed it, it should hang That's close true. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's slightly, mm. I try to time it so it's slightly damp so that I'm wearing it as I go to the function. <laughs> and then it's sort of, you know, body irons. See, I think ironing's fun. I, I iron tea towels just because of the fun of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, is, that is your prerogative. Wow. <laughs> that is... You're not going to be honest again no, with no, me. I mean, occasionally, I have collars. Collars become troublesome. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have a sandwich press. <laughs> so I, I just put the collar bits in... in so that's a small version yeah. of the it's big like thing a, in the God in the Dry Clean, yeah. My, my, I had a girlfriend in high school. Her mother had the most amazing, ancient, I don't know what it was, but it was pedal-powered. You like, used your feet to pump steam into this wooden cabinet that had lids that lifted and clothes were brought over and, poof, and it was like a tanning bed with ancient steam. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but even after all of this, you know, she'd pull it out, and then her husband, uh, who was a, a used car salesman, would put it on. And for, like, one minute, he would look sharp and pressed. And then, I don't know if it was the nature of his body <laughs> or just the way the universe feels about used car salesmen. <laughs> but as soon as he stepped out of the door, it crumpled. It just crumpled into a thousand wrinkles. It said, I am going to screw you today. <laughs> it's very sad. Do you think, since you think this work of Syro is, is unnecessary, <laughs> do you think they should be working on something else instead? I, I think there are a few things. Cancer. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's too hard. <laughs> Uh, they need to work on an ear putty that stays in your ear when you're showering. Like, if you have ear conditions like Anthony's where you should use an earplug, there's not a putty invented that will stay in the entire time. <laughs> Just pops out of your head. Can, can I say, yeah. I think, a, a program that within 50 minutes contains four <laughs> mentions of Anthony Aykroyd's earwax <laughs> is perhaps three mentions too many. Andy's right. Tulip Festival, don't forget. I think these are images everyone has to live with. And... Um, me running naked, well, half naked. Let's be. Or half some naked. sort of a three, mug, quarter, like three a... quarters of the audience listening to this are in rural Australia and are living through the drought. Haven't they been through enough? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm concerned. Oh, that's what I said for But that was, that was my concern: is that all this talk this week of uh, we should go to the drought-affected mm-hmm. uh, places and, and, have and buy dinner, coffee, have buy lunch? Coffee. Yeah. But that, it just seemed like, like you just know that the sketch would be everyone rocking up into this town, going into the cafe. And the cafe owner would be all like, "Oh, this is so exciting! We have so many customers," and everyone sits down and can we, can we get some water? <laughs> We've just got here. Can we get some water, please? What kind of cafe is this? Anthony Aykroyd, yeah. what do you think uh, CSRO should be working on? And, and do you think their they're iron-free T-shirt's a good idea? Well, I'm feeling if they can engineer cotton that doesn't need to be ironed, what about carpets that don't require vacuuming? Mm. Yeah, How about yeah. that, folks? Yeah. You know, some just so sort we're of... clear, they don't require it. 
It's just something you want. Carpets that don't want vacuuming. You know, some inbuilt suction device in the fabric that removes the dirt. You know, sitting there with a friend, suddenly you hear... That's, what's that noise? Oh, it's just our self-cleaning carpet. And, uh, well, we lost little Timmy the other day, but anyway. What about non-stick bowls It's for just which... Anthony getting his ears syringed. <laughs> Five. What's a very similar sound, actually. Uh, what about non-stick bowls for wheat picks? Don't think that if you if you neglect to wash your bowl yeah, after you've eaten, yeah, what yeah. is that stuff made of? Super glue? What's it doing to our stomachs? <laughs> what about dogs? Okay, CSIRO. Dogs that will pick up their own poo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hear me out, folks. Yeah. You can train dogs to guide the blind to sniff out drugs to detect unexploded bombs in war zones. You're not telling me they couldn't pick up their own crap. <laughs> If and they wanted if to. If you can't get them to pick it up, at least get them to go behind the tree so the people in the park can't see it and yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little bit of ninja skill, puppy. <laughs> Teach your dog to iron that. <laughs> what about the str- getting rid of proper bananas that don't have those stringy bits down the side? You know what I'm talking about? Is that part of the peel, part of the banana? Do I eat it? Do I not eat it? <laughs> okay, I've got a lot of time on my hands, folks. I'll leave it in a barrel. <laughs> You should weave it into a what about, doily. what about a cucumber that doesn't look so much like a zucchini? It's embarrassing serving up a steamed cucumber. <laughs> then you have to say, no, I meant to do that. It's port uh, cuisine. Got to change. I've said enough for a Rebecca, what did CSIRO ship? What oh, should they work on now? The, look, the one, the one, the only thing that I really wish was created was a mattress that can turn and flip itself. Um, Because I'm just five foot, Richard, and I live alone. And my mattress requires turning. Now, I have to set a date on the calendar and go wake up and go, right, it's flip day. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I go and do some stretches out in the backyard. I warm up with a slight boxing session, just getting ready to limber up. Because when you try on your own as a five-foot person to turn and flip a mattress and not end up under it, <laughs> pinned to the mattress bed, it, it's near impossible. I'm convinced that people will say, we haven't seen Rebecca for about a month and a half. <laughs> Where is she? I don't know. And then someone comes around, they just see me pinned there with just my body impressed in the memory foam, you know, like forever. It is, it's one of, I really, I do, I have to psych myself up because I'm convinced it's going to be the end of me. Do you ever meet, just... meet guys at bars and say, would you come back and flip my mattress? <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> and I, I also met a sound guy once and I said, boom, boom, boom. Let's go just, back to just, my room. And, uh, just so we're clear. Please thank Anthony Aykroyd, oh, Rebecca Unamuno and Tommy Dean. Just so we're clear, you don't have to flip messages. <laughs> You don't have to do anything, according to, to Tommy Dean. Uh, thanks for being part of TJF next week. Jen Kitson and Tommy will be here with music from Mark Seymour. Yeah. Till then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's Friday! Yeah.